the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we have started on this Thursday, the tenth morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, twenty twenty one. We are packed today with candidates and experts. Coming up at nine thirty five, we will talk for the first time with newly announced candidate for Ohio Governor Jim Renacci. Jim Renacci has been nibbling on the edges of this campaign or a start of a campaign for a very long time. He started Ohio's Future Foundation two years ago, I believe, with the intent of building up a case for uh, Ohio governor, uh, trying to point out all of the missteps, mistakes, and problems with uh, Mike DeWine. And he's been spot on, by the way, with those criticisms. Um, it was always leading toward an announcement for uh, Ohio governor, uh, for the race for Ohio governor. And today, we will talk to Jim Renacci about that announcement made yesterday. That's at 9.35. At 10.10, Dr. Everett Piper will join us on a host of issues, uh, at least five long. We probably will only get to three of them, but uh, very important issues that we will talk to uh, Dr. Piper about. Then at 10.35, another candidate, this time not for the uh, Ohio governor's race, but rather the soon-to-be-vacant Rob Portman U.S. Senate seat from Ohio. Uh, Mike Gibbons will be joining us. Uh, that is a very crowded field, and we have talked to most of the candidates in it already. We have not yet talked to Mike Gibbons as a candidate. I did talk to Mike prior to his announcing uh, that he was going to run for uh, the United States Senate. We just talked about business and other things, but this will be my first chance to talk to him as a candidate. Uh, we've had, let's see, Jane Timken, J.D. Vance, Josh Mandel. Uh, we've not yet talked to Bernie Moreno, uh, but if there's anybody else out there, we'll try to track him down. But today it'll be Mike Gibbons, and I'm looking forward to that conversation. So there you go. Renacy, Piper, and Gibbons are the guests today, which means if you want to get in, you've got to be strategic, and you've got to hit the dialing number. Just uh, hopefully you've got it saved on your phone so you don't have to wait for me to repeat it. 
But you're going to have to hit it when uh, time allows, because uh, it'll be the opportunities will be few and far between today. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five is the number. I know I give it fast sometimes, but you're going to have to write fast. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five or triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Now, before we get started with the big news of the day, let's pause for our pledge of allegiance. Please stand, put your hand on your heart, face your flag if you have one. Leftists, take your knee. Peace to the flag. Of the United States of America. Start it over. I don't like missing the first couple of words of the pledge. My apologies. One more time. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all couple of weeks back before I left for my vacation last week, I gave you some interesting news about myself. And I want to follow up on that interesting news right now with some new news. About two weeks ago, I told you that I, upon the advice of my wife and her friend, who both decided they want to find out if they have natural immunity from COVID-19 by checking the presence of antibodies in their blood, In other words, previous exposure to COVID, creating an immunity the way it has always worked with viruses. Um, She wanted to find out, or they wanted to find out. My wife's friend, if memory serves, had an antibody count of 41, which, by the way, is many, 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 many times over the threshold of .07. Now, I don't know exactly what the reading means, other than to tell you this is what the uh, readings mean. 0.07 and above, rather, 0.08 and above, are considered positive for the presence of antibodies that can protect against a reintroduction of a coronavirus uh, to the body. If you are below 0.07, you do not have the presence of antibodies. So my wife's friend had a 41. My wife took the same exact antibody test through a company called LabCorp and came back with a reading of 814 swimming in antibodies, feeling bulletproof, and flexing it on me until I said, all right, I'm going to take it too, because we all had COVID. We all had COVID-19 in uh, in October, November time. So we're talking seven, eight months later, we wanted to see if the antibodies were still present. So I took the same exact lab core test, drew my blood two days later. I get the email with the response, and the uh, results rather, 1,442, I believe was the number. So in other words, flexing way past my wife's antibody count. Again, feeling pretty much bulletproof. Some have tried to downplay the results of that antibody test. Some people said, that doesn't mean anything. It's about T cells. Uh, You got to do a T cell test, not an antibody test. That doesn't mean you're going to be immune from COVID-19 variants, yada, 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 yada. So they tried to diminish the results, and I wouldn't have none of it. And now today, I feel beyond validated. According to a Cleveland Clinic study of 52,238 Cleveland Clinic employees, this information just released on Tuesday... According to this study of over 52,000 employees, there is no statistical significant difference in people who have previously been infected by COVID 
and people who have received the vaccination. You understand that? Cleveland Clinic's study of 52,000 employees found, and this is, let me, let me just give you the details here. Of all the enrolled participants, 5% of them had previously been infected with COVID-19. 59% of them had not been infected. 47% of the previously infected participants were vaccinated then. So in other words, they had COVID and got vaccinated anyway. About 63% of all vaccinated participants received the Moderna shot, which may be a little bit irrelevant. The analysis of the cumulative COVID-19 incidents revealed that during the course of the study, COVID-19 infection occurred almost exclusively in participants who were not previously infected nor vaccinated. Interestingly, though, and this is a direct quote from the study, no significant difference between the COVID, or excuse me, no significant difference in COVID-19 incidents was observed between previously infected and currently non-vaccinated participants previously infected and currently vaccinated participants, and previously uninfected and currently vaccinated participants. Now, if that sounds confusing to hear, because I can see how it can be, there's a little repetition there. Let me just make it very clear. If you had COVID already, and you uh, did not get the shot, and you did not have COVID already, and you did not get the shot, or if you had COVID already and got the shot, you are at no greater risk of becoming infected by COVID-19. In other words, your natural immunity is every bit as good and probably superior to the vaccinations that they are trying to push upon us. No significant difference at all. One of the first people to flex on this was Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, who has been arguing this for a very long time. Great news, tweeted Senator Paul. Cleveland Clinic study of 52,238 employees shows unvaccinated people who have had COVID-19 have no difference in reinfection than people who had COVID-19 and took the vaccine. So if you have got, you know, and, and this is important. It's extremely important to realize and to recall and to, re- and to remember and to point out. Scientists like Dr. Anthony Fauci, the grand poobah of epidemiology, told us for months prior to the vaccine becoming available and once it did become available this past December. Anthony Fauci and others told us even if you've had COVID-19, you are probably still not protected or immune from getting it again. You need to get the shot. They told you, take the shot. Even if you've had COVID-19, because it's not going to protect you. And now that we have a significant study by a significant uh, healthcare provider, Cleveland Clinic, 52,238 persons studied, shows no detectable difference in infection rate among people who had COVID and did not get the shot and people who did not have COVID and did not get, or excuse me, that had COVID and did not get the shot and people who uh, um, had COVID and got the shot. And again, I apologize for the redundancy of some of that language. It does make it sound confusing. What you need to know, though, is that th- is this. What they found is that there is no point whatsoever in a person who has already had COVID-19 to take one of these vaccines. 
That's the bottom line. There is no reason to get the shot if you have already had COVID-19. You are naturally immune. And this flies in the face of what we were told by the grand poobah, Dr. Anthony Fauci. The same Dr. Anthony Fauci, by the way, who has now been exposed for the quack that he is. Because for an entire year plus, about a year and a half, we have listened to Dr. Fauci take both sides of every issue when it comes to masking and types of masking and distancing and reinfection and vaccines and getting a uh, uh, make sure you still wear a mask after you've been vaccinated because you could still get reinfected. And oh, by the way, if you got infected, you still need to take the shot because you could get reinfected. We have been told now. That Dr. Anthony Fauci is the is the be all end all. I mean, he is Saint Anthony the Fauci. Nobody knows more about this than him. And in an interview with Chuck Todd yesterday, Dr. Fauci wanted you to doggone well remember that. You don't attack Saint Anthony the Fauci. No, 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 no. If you attack St. Anthony the Fauci, you are attacking science itself. It's very dangerous, Chuck, because a lot of what you're seeing as attacks on me, quite frankly, are attacks on science. Because all of the things that I have spoken about consistently from the very beginning have been fundamentally based on science. Sometimes those things were inconvenient truths for people and there was pushback against me. So if you are trying to, you know, get at me as a public health official and a scientist, you're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. And anybody that looks at what's going on clearly sees that. You have to be asleep not to see that. You have to be asleep not to read your emails to individuals telling them masks don't work against coronaviruses. But then listen to you in public press conferences tell everybody you must wear a mask to protect against coronavirus. Do we have to be asleep to see that, Tony? Do we have to be asleep, Anthony Fauci, to read this story from November 27, 2020, headlined, Take the vaccine even if you've already had coronavirus, Fauci says. Were we anti-science when we point out that you were wrong then? You were wrong about masks. You were wrong about double masks. You were wrong about uh, uh, being infected, not providing a natural immunity, and we're finding out now through these studies. When will you stand up and say an attack on me maybe is an attack on the incorrect analysis that I gave rather than an attack on science? Because science, Mr. Poobah, has proven you wrong. We're not attacking science. We're attacking a flawed scientist who was so full of himself and his ego that he cannot even differentiate between himself and science, proclaiming to be literal science himself. Josh Hawley responded to this extraordinary, egotistical, narcissistic remark from Dr. Anthony, or St. Anthony the Fauci. If you, when pressed in public as a scientist, declare that disagreeing with you is the same as attacking science and, quote, the truth, haven't you, by definition, disqualified yourself from talking about science? If you take the Stalinist position that you are personally science, you are personally truth, why should we listen to anything you say? 
Yeah, and it just it, it shows you that he's really not interested in a fair and open inquiry. He's not interested in the facts, and, and he's tried to prevent the facts from getting to the American public. You know, the American public deserves the truth. They can be trusted with the truth. They deserve to have the truth. That's why I think that the U.S. government needs to declassify everything it knows yeah. about the origins of COVID-19, but we need a congressional investigation. Dr. Fauci needs to testify about his role in any gain-of-function research, and we also need to know if people within the U.S. government tried to prevent the government, our intelligence agencies, from figuring out and finding out if this, in fact, did have a lab connection, the COVID-19 virus. The only thing worse than Dr. Fauci being exposed as the liar and the fraud that he is, is that he is using that exact fact to actually reinvent his brand. I mean, seriously, if you thought he was self-important and narcissistic before, now that he has been proven wrong by science... For him to proclaim that he himself is science is is just about as bad as it can be imagined. I've got more on this right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 926. An attack on me says Dr. Anthony Fauci, is an attack on science itself. Let's listen back to another of the gems of Dr. Anthony, St. Anthony, the Fauci. As he praised last year, the coronavirus response, not of Florida, not of Texas, not of Arizona, not of North Dakota, or excuse me, South Dakota, but no, he praised the coronavirus response. This was done, according to science, very well by the state of New York. We've got to make sure the dots are connected, Judy. When the Congress, in, with a great deal of generosity, gave billions of dollars to try and solve this problem, they gave something like $10 billion to the CDC to give to the states to do these kinds of implementing. We've got to make sure that it gets well spent and that it gets done in the right way. Again, we have a problem, we need to admit it and own it, but we've got to do the things that are very clear that we need to do to turn this around. Remembering, we can do it. We know that when you do it properly, you bring down those cases. We've done it. We've done it in New York. New York got hit worse than any place in the world, and they did it correctly. New York was responsible for the death of over 15,000 nursing home patients over 15,000 and Dr. Anthony Fauci said that Andrew Cuomo and leaders in New York did it correctly yet if we criticize this man it's very dangerous Chuck because a lot of what you're seeing as attacks on me quite frankly are attacks on science it's an attack on science to point out that killing 15,000 nursing home patients by jamming COVID patients into those nursing homes in order to free up space in hospitals, even though hospital ships were provided in New York Harbor in order to help any overflow that might exist. Ships provided by Donald J. Trump that were never used for a single patient. New York did it right, says, I am science, St. Anthony the Fauci. And what's worse is this incompetent, overpaid. Remember, he's the highest paid federal employee in America. He makes more money than the President of the United States. 
He makes more money than the top generals, those who protect us. Nobody makes more money than Dr. Anthony Fauci. Dr. Anthony Fauci, during that same interview yesterday with Chuck Todd, who is one of the most reprehensible pieces of, of human flotsam in, in American media, yesterday in this sanctimonious interview with Chuck Todd, Dr. Fauci again argues, despite overwhelming evidence being produced on a daily basis, that the coronavirus was leaked from a man-made or the man-made virus was leaked from a Wuhan laboratory continues to argue saying no it was natural why would China do this listen to this buffoon you know I think you may have mentioned it in the run into the show Chuck very accurately that what I think people conflate and maybe get confused when they say leak there's two ways of looking at that did you deliberately make a virus that you wanted to do harm to the world, and then it leaked out. Well, why would the Chinese want to make a virus that equally kills them as kills other people? So that's the reason why when you talk about that's really way out there and like off the war, you know, off the chart. Anthony Fauci doesn't think that the Chinese Communist Party would create such a virus because it would kill some of their own people as well as people from around the world that they don't like. That's off the charts. That's really way out there. Does this guy have even an ounce of knowledge of Chinese history and Chinese current status? This is a nation that put in policy or put in place a policy that forbid Chinese women from giving birth to more than one female or more, more than one child. And when females were born, they were being killed because of overpopulation and they didn't want any more baby making factories to grow up in China to make more babies. They killed female infants to stop them from growing up and having more babies. This is a country that is continuing to this day to keep Uyghur Muslims in concentration camp-style holdings, executing and torturing them in what can only be described as a genocide right now, today. And Dr. Fauci says it's, it's beyond uh, any thought. It's, it's, it's way out there. It's off the wall. It's off the charts to think that China would sacrifice some Chinese citizens in order to create a virus that would hurt other people. They have no value for life in the Chinese Communist Party. Their motto is, if you want to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. They wanted to make the COVID-19 omelet. Would it break a few Chinese eggs, meaning kill a few Chinese people in the process? It's worth it. And this guy says, an attack on me is an attack on science. I've heard enough. Let's get news now. Let's come back and talk Ohio politics with newly announced candidate for Ohio Governor Jim Renacci next. Also, trust me when I tell you we've got a great show lined up for you today. I told you we had three great guests, none of them bigger than the newly announced 
candidate for Ohio governor. He's been nibbling around the edges of this for a couple of years now. Started Ohio's Future Foundation, pointing out all of the flaws in the way the state was being run by Mike DeWine. Then much more heavily ramping that up in recent months, but without making the announcement that he made yesterday. And that is that Jim Renese is in the fight for Ohio governor. Our fate is up to us, and the choice is simple. We need to dump Ohio's Cuomo, Mike DeWine, end his Trump-bashing reign, and elect an Ohio First conservative who fights for you. It's time to put Ohio first. It's time to make the people of this great state a priority. When Ohio's first, America's first. That's Jim Renacci in a uh, campaign announcement. What a tremendous video, a three-minute and 40-second announcement that I saw on his Facebook page and was kindly enough to be messaged to me yesterday. Congressman Jim Renacci, good morning. Good to talk to you. How are you this morning as an Ohio-announced candidate? Well, good morning, Bob. Uh, it's a good day in Ohio this morning. As you know, I've been uh, talking about the issues in Ohio, and now I get to go out and really start promoting why we need a change, which... Uh, I've been doing, as you said, I, I listened to you earlier, I've been, I've been testing the waters, touching the edges, but uh, now it's time, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, I, I, I want to make sure people remember what this governor has done over the last two and a half years, and the problem is, as you know in politics, people seem to forget. Politics sometimes is only a 30- or 60-day window. This, uh, people have to remember what he's done, and I think it becomes easier and easier when he does Vax a Million, when he does half of these things that... People just look at it and go, wow, this isn't what Ohio governors should be doing. It does get easier, but we've got 12 months now to, to make sure people remember. I want you to respond to something that I have heard, a criticism of you. People who, you know, doing what I do, I talk to a lot of people who ask, hey, Bob, what do you think about the Senate race? Who do you like in the governor? So, uh, and when I mention you, they say he is not genuine uh, in his criticism of Mike DeWine. He is running now against Mike DeWine because he was going to run before and he pulled out to go run for Senate. So they're saying you made up your mind a long time ago that you wanted to be governor, and now you're just looking for reasons to pick apart Mike DeWine to follow up on your original plan from, from four years ago. Well, Bob, anybody that knows me knows when I'm committed to something, I stay in it. The problem was I did get a call from the President of the United States. Um, if anybody was with me for that day when I got the call, I still remember it. I was in Columbus. I said, no, I'm not going down to meet the president. I know what he wants me to do. I'm not leaving a governor's race. They called me back. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And then my staff said, you better call the White House and you better get down here. And I did. And I sat across the table from the president when he said, I need you to get in this Senate race. I have to have your support in the Senate. I said to him, I don't want to leave the governor's race. And I still remember him saying, I'm not going to support you in the governor's race. I need you in the Senate race. And that was probably a turning point for me. I remember walking out of the uh, White House thinking with my staff, uh, I, I think, uh, look, it's kind of tough. When you get asked by the President of the United States to, to do something for the country, anybody that condemns that decision, well, Look, I don't think they were realizing I was doing it for the president who was asking me to do it for the country. You know, I don't think I've heard you use that phrasing before, Congressman Renacci. Um, that's large, uh, that he said to you, I'm not going to support you in the governor's race. You need to do this. Did you take that in any way as, you know, a threat or, or extortion? It's like, look, you're not getting my backing over there. You better do what I tell you here. Well, no, I just think he really wanted me in the Senate race. And I think he knew I had a chance of winning. Uh, there, you know, I didn't need the support of the party. Looking back over it, I sometimes wonder whether the party was really behind me. Remember, Mitch McConnell 
did not support any Santa candidate in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, or Ohio that year. There were two candidates that actually could have won that year, which was in Michigan and Ohio, but the, but the Senate committee did not support any, any candidates. Isn't it amazing that those four states were necessary for President Trump to win re-election? I sometimes look back and wonder, did Mitch McConnell really want the president to win? You know, that's a very fair question, and that's a good analysis. We're talking to former congressman, now Ohio gubernatorial candidate Jim Renacci. Congressman, in your video announcing your run yesterday, you focus a lot on Andrew Cuomo. As a matter of fact, in your Facebook post posting that video, you start with, enough is enough with Ohio's wannabe Cuomo, Mike DeWine. Tell me why you chose Cuomo as the comparison for Mike DeWine. Well, look, uh, Cuomo got on TV as soon as the pandemic started. DeWine got on TV. They wanted, they were like challenging each other. They were like the two governors that were trying to out oust each other. You know, but uh, truly, uh, I believe Governor DeWine wanted to be the Cuomo of the United States. He wanted to be able to be the guy. They were saying, oh, Governor Cuomo is leading. Uh, look at now. Look at what's happened. Ohio, New York. Look at where they're at. They can't even compete coming out of this uh, pandemic. But clearly, anybody, look, I learned a long time ago, and I still remember uh, hearing this from, uh, from a congressman. When you're on TV that much every day, you know, you're looking more for yourself than really for the people. And, he, and, and, and that was Congressman Regular. He said, those TV people, that get that, those public officials that are on TV every day, they're the ones who just want to, it's all about them. It's not about the people. And, and I watched that. And Cuomo and, and DeWine were on TV every single day. But I think uh, he was trying to outmatch him. If you saw in my video, I mean, they, they kind of had that little giggle relationship as well. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, you know, I was looking yesterday <clears throat> at uh, going back to April of last year at a Time Magazine article about Mike DeWine. And I wonder, and I'm going to ask you this, if you think this kind of fed into his ego and led him to make decisions that were not in the best interest of Ohioans, Ohio business owners, Ohio employees, Ohio worshipers, etc. This article, Why Ohio Governor Mike DeWine Does Not Sugarcoat the Coronavirus News, it goes on to, pro, uh, to praise him for being the first to shut down his state, for being the first to make all of these uh, very dangerous and, as we found out, wrong decisions. Um, but he just got tons of praise from the national press for being out there, as you say, kind of, you know, like Cuomo, being a national celebrity. Do you think he put his own ego and maybe narcissism ahead of the needs of the people of Ohio he's supposed to be serving? Oh, Bob, I do believe that. I mean, when you see a guy get on TV every single day and talk about what he's doing. But the other thing he did, I mean, these were draconian, draconian ways of, of changing Ohio. Um, and, and he didn't have to have a binary choice. I mean, he said this is all in on COVID. He seemed to have forgotten about everything else. He destroyed more lives than he saved by creating a drug epidemic, extreme unemployment, destroyed small businesses, and really has led Ohio to be one of the worst economy in the nation with extreme property taxes, rampant fraud and corruption. All of this stuff is now his legacy. And it's all because he wanted to be on TV every day. I mean, even being on TV... Look, even today, Cuomo's not on TV that much, maybe because he has his own issues. But, uh, you know, you still see Governor Dwine wanting to get on TV and talk about COVID, COVID, COVID. COVID um, is past history. It should not have been the draconian um, way of changing things. Look, we did have a pandemic. We did have some issues. But 
I love the way Florida handled it. And let's face it, Florida is is stronger today than it was previous to the pandemic because they did things different. That's and right. Governor DeWine wanted to be one of the first to be their Cuomo-like governor to be on national TV early. We're talking to newly announced Ohio gubernatorial candidate Jim Renacci, of course, former uh, congressional or congressman rather in Ohio 16. Um, you and I spoke off the air about this briefly. Um, you're you're running as the true conservative alternative um, to to Mike DeWine. Mike DeWine is a rhino. We have seen he's you know everything you've said uh, indicates that he's much more of a blue state type of governor like Andrew Cuomo. And we need a conservative. So you're running as a strong conservative, Ohio first, which rings uh, very well with America first candidate. Um, Warren Davidson did an extensive interview with my friend Jack Windsor at the Ohio Star. And it looked and sounded to me as I read that interview twice, and I interviewed Jack about it, like he's getting into this too. He's also got a reputation as a strong rock-ribbed conservative. Can two two conservatives cancel each other out in a race to get rid of Mike DeWine? Well, here's what I would tell you, Bob. Um, I have traveled the state. I've talked to people. I think we need to remove DeWine. I've asked Warren Davidson multiple times if he's getting in. He's told me that he's more interested in running against Sheriff Brown in two years. He told me that he would consider it. Um, I've talked about things with him that you know I'm not going to go into, but in the end, I can't just wait around for Warren Davidson to make a decision. If he's going to get in, he should get in. Uh, two of us will cause Mike DeWine to walk right back in uh, to, the, to the office. And if Warren wants to do that now, God bless him. Um, I think in the end, uh, anybody that gets in needs to be able to win. I know my polling shows I can win. I'm going to talk about why I should be the candidate. I'm not going to worry about others. And in the end, I, I'm hoping that people really say, hey, some of these other people that come in, yeah, maybe, maybe they're a little more conservative or whatever, but all they're going to do is split the vote and cause um, – you know, and cause Mike DeWine to win again. And if if the if people like Warren and others want to do that, hey, I guess they have that free choice too. This is America. I know one thing. Yeah. I waited. I talked. I tried to get involved with anybody who was considering it. I tried to get them involved. Um, I even told Warren, hey, if you want to get in, um, God bless you. I'll support you. But we can't wait around anymore. It's time to move forward. Have you given any thought to a lieutenant governor? You know, not at this time. Um, I, I do want somebody that is an outsider, business, um, you know, but in conservative, of course, too. I, I want somebody who can speak that language, who understands that Ohio can't, Ohio has to change. Ohio has to change. We are going, we, we can't compete with other states now. So I want somebody who has the same principles and values as I do, uh, but at the same time understands that, we're going to take some rocks and arrows uh, because we're going to change things, and change is very difficult, but in the end, we're going to change it for the better. I've been interviewing you, Jim Renacci, for about six years uh, during your time in Congress on a weekly basis. Since you left, not quite as frequently, but still a lot. And many times um, I have asked you the question I'm about to ask you, and I think it needs to be asked again because I think you need to answer it again. 
And that's about your conservatism. A lot of people criticize. They don't lump you in with the Jordans of the world or the, um, you know, the, the Meadows of the world. We'll talk, going back to some of your colleagues in Congress, they don't lump you in that way. And they say he's more Portman-like and he's more DeWine-like, quite frankly. Jim Renacci is a rhino. You bristle at that. You always have. But you've always answered it with strength. And I want you to do that now. If people are looking at, uh, at Jim Renacci, gubernatorial candidate, and not seeing the conservative that you know you are, how do you want to answer that? to them rob i've told people all along uh the definition of conservative is kind of interesting everybody has their own definition mm-hmm. but i challenge people to look at my voting record i chuckled one day i flew back and i and i met with a group of conservatives in in wadsworth ohio i'll never forget this there was a hundred of them in a the room and they were challenging my voting record so what i did is i went through some of the votes and i didn't tell them what the votes were i went through all 43 votes and I said, how would you vote on this? How would you vote on this? And I asked them to raise their hands. And 95% to almost 100% raised their hands in the affirmative. I would vote this way. I would vote that way. And I go, great. That's how I voted. That's how I voted. That's how I voted. At the end of that, I said, now you are a 59% heritage action voter. And they looked at me and go, wow. Because in the end, heritage action in many cases, and that's what people judge. I mean, people say, well, he's not, you know, he's not 100% with heritage action. Well, let's face it. There are some things I disagree with Heritage Action, and I, and I challenge anybody on those. I, and, and Jim Jordan voted different on some of those votes, but I challenge the constitutionality of the vote that I took versus the vote that Jim Jordan took, and, and that's okay. That's what Congress is all about. But in the end, I challenge anybody to look at my voting record. I went in there and said, we can't spend anymore. I voted against CRs. I voted against all of this crazy stuff. I even voted against my own bill. I never forget that. I never forget that. I had a bill that would save the federal government money. It was coming out of ways and means. It was coming out of the ways and means um, budget uh, uh, approved. And and uh, we had Speaker Boehner said to me it was a bill he wanted passed. It was funding for roads and bridges, which I just couldn't do. And he said, Renacy, um, you're going to vote for it because I'm going to put your bill inside that vote. Well, when that bill came to the floor, I voted against it. And Boehner walked over to me and goes, I've never seen anybody vote against their own bill. And I go, no, Boehner, I'm voting against your bill. That's the difference. I mean, conservatism can have all kind of definitions. But, you know, what I really believe I am is I'm an Ohioan first. uh, And I'm going to vote for Ohio values and principles. I'm never going to give up my pro-life. I'm never going to give up my pro-Second Amendment. Um, But in the end... I'm also going to be reasonable when it comes to getting things across the line, as long as we don't give up conservative principles and values. Congressman, I'm going to go long in my segment here. I'm supposed to take my commercial break here, but I want to ask one more question of you, and we have plenty of time between now and election time to have many more discussions. But uh, as it pertains to what it will take to win this thing, will it take an endorsement from former President Donald Trump? And do you think you will get an endorsement from former President Trump, particularly since he talked you out of the gubernatorial race before and and asked you to serve the country by running against Sherrod Brown? One would think that he owes you a big one here, uh, but that's just my opinion. Do you expect one? Will you campaign for one? Will you meet with him to try to get one? And do you think you will need one to win? Well, look, one thing I can tell your listeners is I have a complete uh, Trump team behind me now, from Parscale to all of his data people. They're all on my side right now. Um, I know what the president's looking for. He's looking for a good team. I have that. 
He's looking for data that shows I can win. I have that. And he's looking for me to get in the race. And I did that. So we'll see. Uh, I'm not saying I have to have it, nor do I expect to get it. But I can tell you if there's anyone that will get it, it'll be me. Uh, but I'm not worried about getting it or not getting it. I'm going to run a campaign. I'm going to run a pro-Ohio, pro-America first um, platform. And I'm hoping that I get his support. But in the end, I'm hoping more that I get the support of Ohio and voters. Congressman Jim Renacci, now gubernatorial candidate Jim Renacci for the second time, but this time he's going to see it through and hopefully end up in the uh, governor's mansion in Columbus, Ohio. We have a lot of time between now and then. I look forward to talking to you about jobs, about the economy, about election integrity in Ohio, about everything that needs to be done in Ohio schools uh, to uh, kind of reverse the indoctrination cycle that's going on. So there's a lot of ground to cover. I look forward to doing it throughout this campaign with you, Congressman, and I thank you so much for coming on this morning. I look forward to it. You have a great day, Bob. Thank you so much. That's Jim Renacci. Uh, he's in. It's official. How do you feel about it? If you can't get on the air live because we have a ton of interviews today, leave me a message on how you feel about Jim Renacci as, Ohio, uh, as an Ohio gubernatorial candidate primarying Republican Mike DeWine. Leave a message at 216-525-1806. 216-525-1806. We'll be back. I really appreciate the way Jim Renacci handles those questions because I've been asking him those questions for years. I mean, literally, I've been doing this show now for six years, uh, and I had him on every week, every Friday. He was my regular guest, just like Jim Jordan It was and is my regular Monday guest, Jim Renacci, talked to his constituents in Northeast Ohioans uh, every Friday. And, you know, invariably, whenever questions about conservatism came up, Jim Renacci was called a rhino. Um, and I know it bothered him a big, big, big deal. I mean, in a big way, rather, uh, bigly, if you want, it bothered him because a lot of people were comparing him to Jordan. He was two Ohio congressmen. You know, Jim Jordan is the, you know, the, the, the rock solid conservative. He's in front of the cameras every chance he gets. He's hammering home, home points. Uh, he's supportive of President Trump and, and all of these kinds of things. We all know Jim Jordan is just a, and he's a monster in committee hearings. He takes apart. Democrat witnesses like nobody else. He's just, you know, solid and strong. People say, Jim Jordan is a real conservative, not Renacci, that rhino. And I know how much that bothered him. And I have asked him that question through the years. What do you say to people who say you're a rhino? When he was running against Sherrod Brown, people still said it. Ah, he's no different than Portman. You know, they weren't excited about him as a candidate against Sherrod Brown, replacing that liberal with, you know, Jim Renacci wouldn't do much good, they said. And I know he's tired of the question, but I think he needs to answer it more and more and more because he's got a great answer. And I just, I loved what I just heard. He does. Look at my voting record. And he has, he has done mock polls with other conservatives to say, what do you think of this vote? How would you vote here, there, and on and on and on. And he's always on the right side. Just because he's not as loud and bombastic as some about America first does not mean he's not America first and not an America first conservative. I really believe he is, and uh, I really appreciate how he handled that question and has handled it through the years, and I think he's going to have to continue to repeat it over the course of the next 12 months plus before uh, the uh, uh, election for governor, uh, especially less than 12 months for the primary, I guess I should say. You know, we got less than that. Okay, it's 10 o'clock. We'll get news now, and on the other side, Dr. Everett Piper joins us on